Hey, 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 you're listening to The Carl Taylor Show, and I am your host, Carl Taylor. Now, today's episode is a Conversations with Carl episode. Now, if you've never heard one of these before, this is where I speak directly with someone, one-on-one, to answer their questions and support them in their entrepreneurial journey and life journey. Now, today's call is with Divya. And Divya wanted to talk specifically about tech and even more specifically uh, segmentation in her marketing automation platforms. So when we recorded this episode, she was in the middle of a merger between her company and another one, and she really wanted to get things cleaned up in her Active Campaign account. Now, Active Campaign is an email marketing platform that I've recommended a lot in the past, and my company automation agency also uh, supports a lot of clients with. So I'm a big fan of Active Campaign, and I'm pretty sure it was a conversation with me that led her to pick Active Campaign. So this conversation really is quite specific uh, around Active Campaign, but it also is really useful if you use any kind of email marketing or database marketing automation platform and you're looking at to understand how to better segment the way you store your database, your contacts, your clients, your prospects then this is going to be a great episode for you. So uh, without further ado, let's jump straight in. Calling all entrepreneurs, small business owners, lifelong learners, and people of earth, I'm calling you to step up into the greatest version of you, a happier you, a healthier you, a more loving you, a you that is truly feeling healthy, fulfilled, and alive. My name is Carl Taylor, and I've been building businesses since I was 15 years old. And the one thing that has always, always stood out to me is that running your own business, no matter how successful or not, will be the best personal development journey you ever ever go on. And so in this show, I share with you some of the most important lessons that I've learned and continue to learn on my journey in the hope that it may help you guide you in yours. You're listening to The Carl Taylor Show. All right. Awesome. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to our conversation because obviously we've known each other for a long time as uh, my uh, mindset kind of coach and also as a client of Automation Agency. But for those listening who don't know, let's maybe start with a little bit about kind of what your business is and then roll straight into why you're here and how I can help. Yeah, sure. Uh, So the Intrinsic Brilliance Institute is a resource center to connect to the wisdom within. We say that. Uh, What we really do is help people clear some of the congestion and clutter in their conscious mind so that they can access more of their intuitive intelligence. Tapping into wisdom from the head, the heart, and the gut. We offer coaching, training, workshops, retreats, all sorts of different uh, ways to help you be the fullest expression of yourself and your wisdom in the world. Awesome. So how can I help? So the questions that I have for you today are all about segmentation. And they are um, specific to... uh, The context, the reason why I really want to know these things is one, so that I know what my options are. You you know that I don't know a lot about the back end of much, (laughs) unless it's the back end of our, you know, neurons. (laughs) But the, the tech side of things, I, and so I want to know what the options are so that ultimately I can give better instructions. So I can delegate better and instruct clearer. Mm -hmm. Now I'm in an interesting position where, uh, 
there's been a, a merger between um, RBI and Imagine More, and Deb's database is merged with my database now. And in order to, it's it's gotten quite messy, <laughs> uh, and because she's got her database highly segmented with lots of different tags. And when I say tags, I'm, I'm I, I mean it's used loosely because it's her database was managed in Google, uh, Google Contacts. Okay. So they're all in her phone and they're all in different groups and contacts. So what I really want to know is how do I bring together her database and my database when we have different systems of managing and what's a way to keep it clean, whether it's by lists, whether it's by tags, what, given the, what, what's the information that we need to capture? She's got... Um, how, where they're located, if they're Tamworth, where she know them, BNI, Tamworth, where she met, all kinds of different notes. Yep. How, how do we do this? Perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. So are they currently still, have you already merged them into one system or are they still in separate systems right now? So she's just done cleaning them up in a way that's useful to me. What I've, what I've asked her to do is to tag them based on zones of proximity. So uh, zone one, these are my super fans. Zone two, these are the people that are my fans. Zone three, kind of acquaintances don't really know, you know, that they're warm or neutral. Zone four, I don't know this person. They know me, but I don't know this person. I can't put a, so those, so she's just gone through and tagged her whole database in, in with those level and that's that's useful information to me in like a google sheet or this is still in uh her google contacts this is all in her google contacts but we can export it to a google sheet all of this can be exported so um we can capture all of the information but before i export it and upload it into active campaign i want to know that i'm doing it in the most effective way because for some time now i have wanted to clean up our back end because i don't think it's as clean as it could be at all you know so okay so so um so yeah definitely tagging can get out of hand and the longer you generally have a system the more out of hand it happens because you change your system over time um the good news is that a tool like active campaign you can rename tags meaning that if you've got tags in place you can rename them you can also find everyone with a tag and if you wanted to go let's say you've got duplicate tags like you know you've got a tag I don't know you've got say you've got three different tags, but technically you want to now combine them all under one new tag. You can do that fairly easily with a, again with a tool like Active Campaign because all you need to do is kind of do a search, find all those people which have those tags, and then you would add a new tag. You would add a new tag which is the new combined tag that represents all of those, and then you would just simply delete those three individual tags from the entire system. And so now. You've, that's how you'd clean it up. So it's a manual process, but from a technical standpoint, that's what it is. It's like the find everyone with this tag, add this new tag instead, and then delete the old tag. That's if you're kind of combining them into one. Uh, if you're just simply needing to rename what the tag is, you can just do that inside Active Campaign. You just rename the tag to, to kind of make it within the new language system you're going to use. Uh, as to what you should tag, um, I, I like to think of it in three kind of things. And so, I mean, people listening at home, if you want to, or you, if you imagine kind of like a triangle with three different sides, uh, and I think of on each side, a different word. And so on, on the left side, I think of information tags, information tags is kind of like context. What is, what is this contextual information? So when you mentioned the, um, you know, super fan, are they a super fan? Are they a fan? Are they not known? 
that to me is more of an informational context tag uh, of something that that is relevant um, to know. Now, one thing you need to think about is the difference between tags and fields, right? So when you're using a tool like Active Campaign, tags are these kind of temporary labels, if you like. They're, they're labels that can easily be added and removed and have a more many-to-many uh, many -many relationship. And uh, the next thing, though, is that fields can just store information. So if you're storing location data, I wouldn't be storing that in a tag. Uh, if you're, you want to know where they are, I wouldn't bother putting that in a tag. I would just be storing that in a field. In a field. Uh, so you might have a country field. You might have a, a state field, whatever that is, because... You can segment on that exactly the same, but you know a tag is more like if the, the value can be more than one, right? So if they're in multiple countries, then you would need to have tags. You'd have a, you'd have you know a country of Australia and country of US. That's how they could belong to two. But if it's a single value, it's really going to be a field. Uh huh. Uh huh. Are you liking this episode? Then why not leave a short review and hit me up at carltaylor.com. Send me a screenshot of your review and I will send you a nice surprise gift. So if we're wanting to track the touch points of engagement that someone has had with us, like a customer has had with us, they've come on this, they went to this retreat, came on this program, but how would we do that and capture that information? Yeah, so that's that's the next type of, of the three different types of tags. That's the next one. So you've got informational context on the left. Then on the right, you've got your action tags. And so action tags are exactly that. What are the different behaviors or actions that the contact has done? Um, so have they bought something? Have they downloaded something? Um, and what you choose to tag is really down to you and your business. Uh, I can't tell you always tag on this. Um, what I would say is tag on things that are actually going to be usable and actionable for you, right? So if knowing that they have downloaded this specific lead magnet PDF is useful, then tag that if, if you genuinely are going to have a use case to, to segment on that. Otherwise, um, you might just use a context tag of interest, right? So let's say you've got a bunch of different lead magnet PDFs out there. Um, if you've got one about, I don't know, interested in, well, I'll use my own business. It's easier to think. Like, you know, interested in membership sites. So they download one of our membership site ones. Do I need to tag on the specific one they downloaded? Maybe, maybe not. Or I could just tag them with interest membership sites. And then that's useful for sending different segmented data uh, and emails to people who I know are interested in content and information about membership sites. So you, you could use an action tag to, to track exactly. You could use both or you could use the information um, context tag of just interested in. So yeah, definitely though purchases, I would be tracking that inactive campaigns since um, unless you're using the deep data integration, which can track what people have bought, you would just use tags to keep track of what people have bought. So um action tags that you are interested to you. I wouldn't bother with tagging based on opening emails and things like that. That's just pointless. But um, clicking a link that might tag as an interest, that's an interesting one you could do. Um, purchasing a product, signing up for a webinar. Now, if you're doing events and webinars, uh, this can get tricky as to how you best want to track this. Um, I've done it numerous ways. I've done just simple like, they attend, they registered for this webinar. So it might be like uh, XYZ webinar dash registered. 
and I've done XYZ webinar dash attended. And I've just kept it simple and basic like that. Then other times I've also done it where I've actually, every time I run the webinar, created new tags. And so I can then date based it. So it's like XYZ webinar um, May 2018 dash attended. And again, that comes down to what level of tracking and segmenting you really want to do. Do you really need to know that they've attended this webinar five times? or they've come to this event five times and in which months. Um, when I was doing the date-based one, it gets very overwhelming. Your system gets a lot of tags in it very quickly. So what I would recommend you do if you do go down that route is at the kind of the end of the year, maybe like set a, set a regular date, an annual date maybe where you go back and you go all of those May, June, July, 2017 attendee ones, you replace them with a new tag that was just, they attended the webinar in 2017. Got it. Got it. So what I'm hearing you say is schedule in a time where you can clean it up. Yeah. Upgrade your tags to something that is more succinct when necessary. Uh Yeah. When you no longer need that granular detail you just need to know oh they they attended the webinar last year so let's track that i don't need to know what month anymore but in the current year it might be valuable to know that they came every single month so when you're talking to them and you've pulled up their file you know oh they're they're pretty hot they're pretty warm they're they're very interested um or you know they're sitting on their hands too much and not buying because they just keep coming um so yeah that's that's how i would track the kind of the behaviors that people people take and what behaviors will really depend on on what you want to track and then the third type of tag um, which may not be super relevant to you but it's worth knowing is that we call it kind of a trigger tag and and trigger tags are a temporary tag that the whole purpose of this tag is not to be stored long term it's to trigger something so a lot of automations for example might be triggered by a tag being added and usually once that tag is added the automation starts and then the first step is to remove that tag again so that it can the whole process can be triggered again. So that's more from an automation uh, standpoint, but that's, they're the three kind of main types of tags, information tags, action tags, and trigger tags. Um, so with the trigger tags, so I still have trigger tags in my back end from an event that you did for me years ago. <laughs> are they, are they like when I clean it up, do I clean those up, get rid of the, those, those trigger tags that are, um, if they're no longer being actively used in an automation, then yeah, you could totally remove them um, because the, the, whole, the whole way those tags work is they're purely added to a contact. The moment they're added, that starts an automation or, or set of automations possibly, and then, and then they're removed from the contact. So they're not removed from your system. They're still going to be in your system, but they're removed off the contact as med- immediately after the action has been triggered. So... Um, yeah, if you're no longer using that in an automation, then you could totally delete it from your account. Or if you're concerned, something else you can do is just rename those, those tags that you want to kind of archive away with like ZZZZ so that they alphabetically are at the bottom of the list um, and kind of archived away. Well, I just have a lot of lists and a lot of tags and I don't know if like, is that normal? Is it messy? Is it clean? Because for the, act, the, the membership plug-in, Mm-hmm. Um, because the program is drip fed every week they get a new tag. So by the end of the year, they have 52 tags only just for accessing content yep. um, on, in the backend. And I'm wondering, um, 
yeah, is is that normal? To- <laughs> for that for that setup, yeah. I mean, if if someone doesn't have that that drip fed uh, level access, then no, they won't have that. But because you've chosen to do a weekly, uh, there's 52 levels, and you're uh, tracking that, then yeah, that's totally normal. And, and you just got to think about your naming conventions um, to to figure out how you're going to best segment them away. So when you're visually looking at a contact. You, you know that that's kind of separated. Active campaign, I believe, I don't know how long, but I believe that down the line they plan to create um, kind of tag categories. And, and so then something like that, you could kind of group into a category that would be more minimized away, but that's not available today. Um, but yeah, ha- you know, there are contacts, there are systems that have, you know, hundreds of tags connected to a contact. Tags, tags are most used mostly by people who use these systems, not for visually a person who's on the phone to someone looking at their record and going, what have they done? It's far more used in searching for a contact to segment and go, I'm only going to send this email to people who have got this tag or have this tag, but don't have that tag. It's, it's less likely to be used by someone looking at it to get information. That's where a field will be far more valuable. Or if you want to do that, make those tags be alphabetically closer to the top based on how you do your naming convention and, and that will make them stand out um, at the top of the, of the kind of the list in the contact. Speaking of which, can I ask you a really practical technical question? Because um, part of the reason why I delegate a lot of this is because I don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so on the back end, I remember once I was trying to send a conditional email, like a, uh, you know, they're in this list, but they don't have this tag, whatever. And, what, from what I recall, and I'm just pulling it up now, so I, I'm actually asking you the right question. Like when you are making things conditional, they can be conditional upon has this tag or doesn't have this tag, but that's, and you can do that for multiple options mm-hmm. or just one. Cause I'm, what I was trying to say is they're in this list and they don't have this tag. And, and for some reason it wasn't giving me what I wanted. Yeah. So- yeah, look, definitely. It, it can be a it can be a challenge to kind of wrap your head around how those logical conditions work. Um, even even for programmers who kind of do it, you can mix up, especially when you start adding in ands and ors. That can get really confusing. Um, but yes, so the answer is in Active Campaign. Yes, you can add multiple conditions. So you could say they're in this list and don't have and have this tag and don't have this tag, and that will mean that. If it will only go to people who don't have that tag that do have that tag in that list, right? So if someone is in that list that has the tag, but then they also have the thing that you said and doesn't have the tag, then they won't be included in that list. It's uh, about setting that up correctly. Yes, definitely. So, and that's, so that's the thing, like you create your segment, all those conditions and you go through and, and you go, if it comes back and says there's only three contacts and you're like, no, there should be 10 or 20 yeah. or 100, well, then one of the best things you can do is to using um, the contact search, there's an advanced search feature in, in contacts and you can play around with those same conditions until you find the exact mix of what you're looking for. Um, yeah. And, and so you can also do like, so ands will be like everything is to be, must be true, right? So when you're, when you're creating and, and this, and that, and this, then all of those conditions must be true for someone to meet the requirement. If you use or, then uh, this can get where it can get a little bit confusing. But if you, let's say your first segment of your condition is they're in this list and they're in 
this list. So you're saying I want, they're in the newsletter list and they're in the client list. Okay. That's your first condition. And then you put in a new block of conditions go, or they have the canceled tag and, or, um, interest tag. Now what that's going to do is it's going to put everyone that is in the client list and in the newsletter list, it's going to come, it's going to have them regardless of what tags they do or don't have. It's also then going to find anyone, no matter what list they're on that have that client tag and has, because the, cause there's also an or in there. So the or is kind of like thinking it's, it's, it's separate. It's not, uh-huh, it's uh-huh. not combining. So, so is there an option for the parentheses then? Like if you're doing a mathematical equation and you're, you're, you're like, or do you have to recategorize something? Cause you know, the parentheses, like you do this bit first. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you, no, no, there's, there's, there's none of that. No. So that, and that, that would be where in those situations, if it's a broadcast email, you might have to send that same broadcast multiple times because you're setting up the segment separately like that's a lot of the time you can achieve it with one segment but sometimes rather than banging your head against the wall trying to build a condition that includes everyone sometimes it's simpler to just go first group here's who i'm looking for send next group here's who i'm looking for send and in the next group one uh i can't remember whether they do have this feature in active campaign um but i know other systems have it where on the second round, you might then put one of your conditions as in has not received the previous email. Got it. Does that make sense? So you go, okay, send it to these people. And then on the next round, it would be, and has not received this email. Then on the next round and has not received the first email or the second email to ensure people don't get double ups. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Um, well, an active campaign though is, is one where if somebody unsubscribes, they unsubscribe from something, they'll never get another email no matter what list they're on. Is that correct? No, that is not correct. Uh, de- well, it depends on your unsubscribe link. So in active campaign, so I'm not a fan of having heaps of lists personally. I think active campaign, you should have maybe three lists at max. Uh, everything else I would rather do through tags. Um, so... You, could, you can use active campaign with a single list. You don't need to have multiple lists. You could do it with one list and just lots of tags. But I, there is value sometimes in, in do, doing separate lists from an ease what's, of just... What's the value of the list? Yeah. Well, set, sending a broadcast. Sometimes it's just super easy. You pick that list. But think of it, lists in active campaign are permission to mail. And so when, when you send a broadcast to a particular list, if they click the unsubscribe link, unless you've changed it to be an unsubscribe from all link, so in active campaign the bottom unsubscribe links, you can choose what you put in. And it's either by default, it's an unsubscribe link, which will unsubscribe them from the list that it was sent to, but it won't unsubscribe them from all the others. Or you can add an unsubscribe from all link, which if they click that, it will unsubscribe them from every list. So the value there for me, for example, in my my business, I have a list for um, the email that we send out every week, the weekly upgrade. So that's kind of like our nurture list. Then we also have a client list though. Because if someone unsubscribes, I don't want to receive the, the weekly upgrade. Well, that makes sense. But if you're a client, I need to know that I can still email you important announcements and different things. And so I don't want you unsubscribed from that list because I need, I need to keep being able to communicate with you. That shouldn't really be your option. The only way you should unsubscribe from that list is if you no longer become a client. And we manually handle that um, through an automation. So 
that's the power of lists. That's the value of lists. So most companies can get away with two. At most, you might add a third. But um, yeah, some businesses just do it with one list. Uh huh. So what I'm hearing you say is have a master list and list SQL permission to mail, and and then um, most of your segmenting is to be done via tags. And yeah, I was tags doing it the way. Tags, Tag, tags and fields. They're the best way to segment. Got it. Okay. Good. Good. It'll also mean that in the future, if, if you were to ever move to another platform like Infusionsoft or Entreport, those systems don't have lists, right? And so um, you will essentially have only one list and, and tags and fields. So it is a better practice way of doing it. The only reason Active Campaign has lists um, is they didn't used to have tags and they were more of a list-based service. And then they, since they introduced tags, the problem is they have old clients still using lists, so they can't just get rid of it. Uh-huh. Good. Does that make sense? Yes. So I have another question here. All right. About, um, the automations map. How do you use the automations map? The, the, the feature in the automations map. Like that has no value. When I look at that, is that meant to have some sort of significance or value? doesn't really make any sense to me. So. Sure. So, so the automations map is a relatively new feature for active campaign. Um, it's not designed to let you do anything. So it's not a map that you can design things on. It's not like a flowchart builder. What it is, is it shows you how all your different automations connect together. One of the big challenges that before we had the automations map, one of the big challenges you had in active campaign is you might have a, um, an automation that is started by a tag and that's all well and good. You, but, you don't know what other automations maybe add that tag, which end up triggering that automation. And so what the automation map does is it shows you those connections. It shows you how this automation is connected to that automation. And then you can click on it to find out how because of a tag or because it's starting an automation or it's phys physically saying, stop this automation. So it's a way of seeing how all the different separate automations are interconnected. And so it gives you a better overview of, of what it all looks like and, if you're trying to troubleshoot, the biggest value often comes from you're trying to troubleshoot something or you're planning to make a change, you can look at the automation map and better understand um, what that change will do or where the problem may lie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, if, if you're not planning on doing much, you probably don't need to worry about the uh, automation map. It's gonna be more um, the technical team working on that for you that will, will leverage that. Yeah, just so that I can instruct more effectively. I didn't know if, if something could be done in that or I could extract any value or information from that. Or, so, no, okay, there we go. No, no, valuable information is just insights. Uh, that at, at, the, at this stage, there's no, it's not like a campaign builder like Entreport or Infusionsoft have. That's, it's not that style thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so, uh, slightly... Um, uh, unrelated question, still related to, no, slightly unrelated to segmentation, but in terms of database activation, what strategies as a marketer would you recommend for if there are people that, um, as I was saying, maybe fall into the, the, um, whether, what would you call them? Cold? They've got leads that have gone cold that you haven't communicated with a while. They were interested at some point because they obviously subscribe, but then they're not really active. So what would you um, what might you suggest? Gotcha. So you're talking about like a re-engagement style campaign. Yeah. yeah so the, the, 
there's a few things. I mean, the best thing is to literally go, Hey, I've got this thing. Do you want it? So get, you don't necessarily need to get them to technically re opt in if they're already still on your mailing list. Uh, the challenge you'll have is if you haven't contacted them in about 90 days, you'll probably get a high unsubscribe and possibly a spam uh, ranking because mm -hmm. people will mark it as spam if they don't remember who you are and why. I mean, even that can even happen before 90 days. You can have people who signed up for something and then two weeks later they can send you an um, insulting email saying, you know, what have you done? It's like, well, you're the one that subscribed to this thing. I don't know what's going on. They just forget or I don't know, or someone uses their email address. But um, the best way to do re-engagement, two options. You can do a Dean Jackson style uh, nine word email. So you could just send an email. It's like, hey, name, um, are you still interested in question mark, whatever it is? Are you still interested in uh, attending a future retreat? Are you still interested in um, improving your, you know, unlocking the secrets of your success? I don't know. Like it, it, the, if I had more time, I'd, I'd think more carefully about what that copy would be. But that's just a, the whole goal there is to get a reply, get some engagement, get someone communicating with you. Uh, another one would be like, hey, I've done this a few times. Like, hey, I've just put, um, I've just put together a cheat sheet all about this. Would you like a copy? Question mark. So I'm not sending it to them because that's spammy. I'm going, hey, would you like a copy? And then again, if they reply back, then I'll go, great, and send it to them. Um, so that's a real, especially the people who've gone cold over a long period of time, that's a really great way to do it. Another one, if they're not that cold, they ha it's not that, that long, to re-engage them is really you're looking to do is get them to click a link. And so maybe send them to a great resource, a video or something, and get them to click that link to re-engage them back. Um, there are a lot of marketers out there that do talk about having a, a sophisticated re-engagement campaign where if they haven't opened an, an email, so it's all kind of automated. If they haven't opened an email or clicked the link in, so let's say 60 days, it then starts an automation that's designed to go, Hey, um, here's this thing and get them. It's designed to try and get them to click the link or open the email. And if they do, it removes them from that automated campaign as soon as they do. But if they haven't, it'll continue to send another email and another email until eventually it gets to the point where it's like, Hey, uh, do you still want to hear from me? I haven't heard from you. If I don't hear from you, then if you know, if you'd like to still continue receiving our emails, just click this link and that will let me know that you still want to hear from me. If you don't, I'll assume you don't and I'll unsubscribe you in the next two weeks. And then, um, automatically unsubscribe them is, is something you can set up an automation to do as well. And would you want to do that? Like, cause I have plenty of people on my database that aren't particularly active that have been on my database for years. Do you, so do you want to not store active or engage? I don't know. I don't I like, I remember in the past I would in fact delete the contacts that had unsubscribed. And I remember, um, working with someone who was like, don't ever delete a contact, even if they've unsubscribed, don't ever delete them. And I was like, Oh, sorry, I didn't know. I just thought I'm trying to keep it clean and tidy. And so this is before I just kind of outsourced the whole back end. And, and, um, yeah, so I, I don't actually know what, what would you there's recommend? Different, there's different schools of thought. So, um, really it comes down to if you don't think that there's, but the reason that people would say don't delete them is, in three years time, if that contact comes back, is having that history of what they've done in the past going to be valuable? Is it going to be useful? If it's not, then deleting them probably, it doesn't really matter. The other thing though, if you do delete them, um, you might be, if you should at bare minimum be like exporting them to a spreadsheet so you could maybe upload them to a, um, 
custom audience in Facebook. So you could still re-engage them through Facebook ads. In Active Campaign, if you're on the Plus plan, you can just add people to a custom audience from within Active Campaign. But you definitely um, want to be unsubscribing people who don't want to seem to engage with you. Because if you're sending emails to people who are not opening your emails and they're not clicking your links, then that's actually sending signals. So let's say you're using Gmail or G Suite. Gmail is tracking everything, right? They're an analytics data company. And so how do they figure out what should go into spam, what should go into the promotion inbox, what should go into your priority inbox? Yes, they're looking at how you individually use your inbox, but they're also looking across all of the users of their platform. And so if they see that a lot of people are receiving this particular email and they're ignoring it, they're not opening it, well, guess what? That's going to increase the chances of it being put into the spam folder from other people who do want to hear from it. And so you're going to hurt your deliverability. So you're better off only sending emails to people who actually want to engage and hear from that particular email. Just sending to everyone over time is going to reduce how many people end up seeing your emails because those that aren't engaging are just going to weaken your score and, and, and uh, overall hurt the people who do want to hear from you. So unsubscribing, definitely. Deleting, that's kind of your choice. Um, the value of deleting is that most of these platforms you're charged per user. So you would save money by cleaning up your database. Um, but if you did delete them, I would at the bare minimum export them to a spreadsheet that you could use for um, custom audiences in Facebook. I remember when I first was started a business and was told the most important thing is people's email addresses and you want to collect a list and you want to collect a database and all that it was all, oh, okay, like I hadn't, it was all new for me. And so, um, uh, and I remember being told at that time that in my industry, the um, personal development, training, education industry, that the average open rate was... At, this is five years ago at this time that it was 10 to 15% was the average open rate. If you're higher than that, you're good. Um, so mine's like 30, 35%. And so that to me, then there's two thirds that don't open the email. So what I'm hearing you say, just checking for understanding here, what I'm hearing you say is that's not a good thing that two thirds aren't opening. But I, and prior to that, I was under the impression, well, that's quite a high open rate. So, yeah, so there's a, there's a couple of things to, to clarify. So firstly, 30% is actually a decent-ish. It's not great. It's like it's not, it's, you can get better. You can definitely get better with far more targeted segmentation. Um, but if I'm getting 30%, I'm very happy. If I was getting 10 to 15, I'd be very upset, to be honest. Um, but 30, 35, that's, that's a good number from an open rate point of view. Because one thing you've got to understand that none of these platforms do a good job of explaining to, to less technical people is that the open rate number is not 100% accurate, right? So depending on your platform that you're using to check emails, not every tool, more of them now do this by default, but not all of them have images turned on, right? So you know how like when you open an email, um, at least back in the old days, depending on your platform, an image would kind of say, you know, click here to enable images. You couldn't see the image right away. The way that open tracking works is there's a tiny one pixel by one pixel white dot or transparent image that loads on an email. And that's when that image loads, that sends data back to the system. So in your case, active campaign to say so-and-so has opened this email. That's how an open is, is triggered. 
So you don't want to look purely at your open rate. Your open rate is good to, to get an idea of how well you are segmenting and how people, it's going to give you an indication of your subject line. Uh, it's going to give you an indication of targeting and subject line, really. Your open rate, that's what it's about. But you also want to be looking at clicking links. You want to see, are they clicking links? Are they engaging in that way? Are they replying? Um, you don't want to purely make your decision just on the open rate. But uh, what I'm saying is if you're sending to a list and you were getting 5% or 10% opens, then that means that there's a lot of people there that are potentially hurting your, your deliverability. But yeah, if you can get up to like 60% opens, that's, that's doing really well. And I know not number of people that get between 60 and 80% opens, but the way you get there, the only way you get there is by cleaning up your list and being tight, but there's nothing wrong with 30%. That's still good. Um, but I would still be looking at how could I improve that by tightening my, my targeting and improving my subject lines. Mm. And, and Deb's arrived in this, in the middle of this conversation. So I wonder if she has anything to ask or add or contribute. I'm not quite sure. Um, no, it sounds like you covered the questions that we, we had and covered, it covered them very clearly. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, uh, so if you've got no other questions, we can, we can call it a day. Otherwise, we've got time for one more question if you... Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to give her that. I haven't got loads. <laughs> to see if there was anything that she wanted to add. Um, okay, so uh, the question I have is about conditional autoresponders and, um, well, okay, funnels and journeys. Uh, so um, is there a way to build an automation or is this multiple automations where, um, where it's the degree of sophistication where, okay, this person comes in, we've met them at an event, we've popped their details in, they get a series of emails and um, based on their behavior for these emails, do they click, do they engage, whatever, then they then go in another and then they then go in another. Are these the ones that you're talking about? We've never built anything that's that like, automated automation that's sophisticated yep. Can, is that possible in active campaign what do i need to do, do to instruct that kind of um automation yeah. so is it possible 100 percent? and it can be done two ways it can be done uh, through triggering other automations to start so it's like if they click this that's the trigger for a new automation and that's where automation maps come in handy to see how that all connects or if it's, uh, you can have it all in one automation and, and leverage if then conditions, which kind of take people down separate tracks. And then you can use the go to action to kind of combine those tracks. So if you've split one, one, you know, contact can go either left or right. And then the people who went down the right track, you eventually after, at a certain point want them to come back to where the left, you know, skip some of those steps, but then come back, you use the go to action to kind of loop them together. So that can 100% be done. Um, how would you instruct that? The best possible way to instruct those things is just like I tell all, all our clients is like when it comes to explaining an automation, if you can think of it in user actions and system actions, if you get an A4 or a single letter sheet of paper for our, our US listeners, you get a, a piece of paper, draw a column, split it into two separate columns, left side, right user, right side, right system, and then go think of it, the journey from there. So user fills in a form. Great. The system responds by 
sending this email, tagging them with this, storing this information. Great. Then it might be user clicks on the link in email three. Awesome. System responds by this, this, and this. Um, and so it's all about kind of user action, uh, user and system action. If you can just think about it that way and map out what that flow looks like, uh, you can hand that over to someone who knows what they're doing to build that out. Um, in automation agency, it would be multiple tasks depending on the size of that. If you're working with other consultants and things, it's really that process map is just really important. That the process map is is really what's going to make it super clear for someone who's not you to build it exactly the way you want it done. That is awesome. That is a really great, great explanation. So the price uh, is, would this be all verbal or are you talking about some kind of diagram? Oh, definitely a diagram. I would not be verbalizing. It's a piece of paper um, diagram. Like that's a simple one on a piece of paper. If you want to go more sophisticated, you get a flow charting tool like lucid charts or something and you draw up diagrams. But to be honest, for most people, if it's a, if you're going super complicated, you might want to do that. But for, for most simple automations, for most standard automations, you know, one or two sheets of paper in two columns will show the general gist of what you're trying to do and um, give it all the, it will give all the elements that someone building it would need to map out the general flow. They might have to ask a few specifics like, oh, well, because um, what in that situation, if it's like, well, what if it's a condition in the system? So the, yeah. sy the system might need to check and it's like, well, systems checks, do they have this tag? If they have this tag, do that. If they don't have this tag, do this instead. Um, so you might, it, when you start to get more complicated like that, the two column process may not be the best way to map that out and a visual diagram, um, flow chart might be better. But, that, but even that is actually just really, really valuable user actions, system actions. And cause that will break it down to user clicks, user opens, user doesn't open user, you know, it, it'll exactly. simplify it and then you can, you know, go from there. So that's actually, uh, a really, uh, Awesome way to think of it. User yeah. System actions. Okay. Yeah. It's been immensely valuable. Well, I'm, I'm glad. All these questions. Yeah. Thank you for a great question. It's been a lot of fun. It's been uh, highly technical and got my logical brain <laughs> firing right now. So I know what I need to do after this call is go and start doing some logical things and um, maximize my brain being in this, this angle. But thank you so much for your questions. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, well, uh, others, if you'd like to be on a call like this, make sure you reach out and we'd love to, to help you as well. See you guys. You've been listening to The Carl Taylor Show and I'm so grateful that you're here right now. Now, if you've liked this episode and would like to hear more from me, then there's two simple actions to take right now. Step one, click subscribe on whatever device you're listening to this on right now so that you can get notified about future episodes. So go on, do it right now. Find that subscribe button and click it. Step two, now that you've done that, is visit me over at carltaylor.com. On the website there, you'll be able to find the show notes from today's episode, as well as all the previous episodes, plus details on how to get copies of my books, details on how to get in contact with me, and so much more. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart that I'm so grateful that you are here. It's an absolute honor to be a part of your journey. And until next time, just be happy, be healthy, be fulfilled, but most importantly, be awesome.